Hey guys, my name is Cameron Gray, owner and founder of Gray Media. Today we sat down with Nick Crozier, a successful realtor who has been servicing the industry for years. Coming from a humble background in sports, firefighting, coaching, and training, Nick has built a successful career in the real estate industry through exceptional client servicing. A York University graduate, Nick's strong social presence allows him to stand out in the crowd and employ an interactive approach to his marketing strategy. Allowing him to sell more listings for top dollar, Nick believes that the world is your canvas. You should smile and paint it however you want. I'm going to edit that up to make it sound pretty good, but that was ChatGPT spitting cool. out an intro that, for that's us actually in 10 pretty seconds. Sick. So like I, if I pulled it from your website. Yeah, I'm like, holy fuck. So it's like, is it factual? Is it right? Like I A lot that. of it is. Yeah, I wouldn't say I paint a canvas smile, but like, yeah. that's pretty good. That's actually really cool. Yeah, so it's very useful. Like I use yeah, ChatGPT. ChatGPT is really good for commenting like that questionnaire that like putting something, starting summarizing something, it. Yeah, creating, creating a starting point. Getting the starting anything. point. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really cool. Like as a creative person myself, like it's always the start that is the hardest part. But yeah, like, I'll yeah, once get the juices going. I'll literally now transcribe a like a competitor's video. Right. Take the transcription and say, come up with five video ideas like this. Right. I now know that stuff's going to rank. Right. I have a bunch of video ideas. Huh. And then I'll ask it to create talking points. And then I really know how to organize right, my right. video. That's so, so it's, cool. It's really, really cool. That's really neat. I like that. Yeah. The, the owner of OpenAI, so the owner of ChatGPT, put out that like this is probably going to be the most revolutionary software to like create millionaires in the future. Right. Just because so many people like ideas and everything that they'll create off of. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. So thanks for coming in today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> I wanted to chat. I wanted to hear your story. I wanted to hear how you've built your business. I know you do some investing yourself. But I want to hear the whole story. So I'll pass it off to you to give us a little introduction on who you are and how you got into real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, Nick Crozier, um, run a team out of Mississauga's our office there. We run out of Etobicoke mainly. Um, we pretty much span from Durham all the way up to Hamilton area there up northwards to Barrie. Um, we're in the top top 10 agents in Keller Williams, our brokerage in Canada. So pretty much if I've really unroll it, go all the way back there. Um, you know, I grew up playing hockey, bit competitive, played junior hockey. That was a big like aspect of my life for the probably 20 years or so. Um, through there, went to York university, graduated with kinesiology actually wasn't really related, but actually it's a funny story. My, uh, one of my buddies bought a condo pre-construction with his mom, actually back mm -hmm. when I was in my uh, early twenties. And I always thought it was really cool. You have a cool condo investing in this. And I didn't know much about it. Uh, fast forward, you know, went, uh, I was a bartender working in the customer service industry for about five, six years from there. Um, decided I wanted to get into the firefighting field, you know, thought some things there that were going to work out, moved to Texas, lived there for a little wow. bit, which was really cool. Yeah. Great experience. Uh, ironically enough, my company is from Texas. So it's kind of funny how Crazy. it all kind of landed and worked out. Um, so yeah, through there, it was able to come back, you know, learned a lot. You know, it brought me back to my hockey days in terms of like, you know, applying and going through the processes and those kind of things. And, you know, I think I realized I was kind of selling myself short, you know, not living mm. up to my fullest potential when it came to that. And, you know, love the industry. I, you know, firefighting was amazing. Um, but I just decided, you know, I want something that I can control my future. Mm. Um, real estate, it can be one of the best industries in terms of your uncapped you know, sky's the limit. You want to work as hard as you want to work. You will make as much as you want to make. So mm -hmm. that was very attractive to me. Um, and through there, I just kind of, you know, jumped right into real estate. I, uh, been with the brokerage, great brokerage, been learning tons from them. Mm -hmm. So from there, I just realized, you know what, I want to do something. I want to be in control. I want to take a brokerage over. I want to build something little did I know a teams and brokeraging real estate. I knew nothing about it. I didn't have any family in real estate. So yeah, for, for sure. me, it was very, learn as I go. Um, I came in with an idea and from there I just ran with it. So I started when I was about 
26 or so. Um, you know, fast forward six years later now. So you did all of those crazy things. Um, all of that was before all before 26. 26. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how old are you? Like, yeah. So I just turned, I'm, I'm getting up there now. So I'm 33 now. I just turned 33 in November there. So mm-hmm. yeah, everything, all that was done before I was 26 years old and then uh, jumped into real estate. And my mentality was, you know what? Being in the GTA, you know, the average house price being where it is up in the millions there. Mm-hmm. I realized that at my age, I knew I couldn't really buy anything, um, you know, and I realized, okay, how can I sell homes? Well, I got to go to the people who own homes. And how am I going to do that? Go knock on their doors. Yeah. So, you know, little me didn't know much else. And I just basically hit the doors running. So my first year, year and a half, I'd say all I was doing was door knocking. Um, tried some cold calling, hated it. I just, you know, I'm so hyperactive, <laughs> ADD and whatnot. Like I can't sit down on a phone. Yeah, the minute yeah. someone answers, I get up and walk around. Pace then and it stuff. throws me right off. So. I knew that wasn't going to work for me. So door knocking was my key, open houses, anything I could do to Mm. learn. Um, And, you know, from that, I developed a lot of skills because the door knocking is going to be boring. Yes, creates some mental grit. But what I really learned is you're catching people off guard and they're catching you off guard. Mm -hmm. So the most common rejections you're going to get from the average public, their views on real estate, you learn the most from door knocking. Mm -hmm. I remember my first year, I would go back because part of our brokerage, you have like a training program when you're new. Yeah. So I would go back and be like, oh, this guy said this, or this said this, or asked that. Like, well, would you say I said this? No, oh, crap. All right, cool. The great thing with door knocking, there's another house next door. Exactly. So you screw up one, you go next door. So yeah, and then I you think, go back next week and they're not That's, yeah. Them. And that's exactly, that was the one key thing. I think the biggest thing I learned was getting that fear out of there that, like, man, nobody cares. Yeah. Everyone's so busy with their day to day life that it's day. like they don't give a, yeah. they don't care. So. so it sounds like you were pretty disciplined from a young age. What taught you to, to be disciplined? Was there anything specific? Because it sounds like with the sports, with the firefighting. Um, you know what? Looking back agent. on it. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, without understanding discipline at a younger age, I think the passion was there, mm-hmm. which really helped me. I mean, like for me personally, like growing up, I didn't go to extra hockey schools or do anything. So I think a lot of my skill, if you want to call it, from getting myself to those levels were just pure want out of myself. I wanted to be there. Yeah. I wanted to go to the NHL. I wanted to do it. It was me, me, me. I didn't know, you know, funny story. A lot of people don't know about my parents actually from the Caribbean. So I have no hockey background in that (laughs) regard. So like to them, it was a foreign sport. Yes. Um, so my dad came to the country when he was like 22. Yeah. So to him, hockey was a new thing, right? I mean, the only ice is in their drinks. So, (laughs) you know, being in the Caribbean, so it was a little different, but, um, yeah, so I just kind of, it was a go as I learned and, you know, just, Every day in the summer playing outside, that was my thing. Like, it's kind of funny now when I look back and people are talking about, you know, the Marvels and comics Mm. and stuff. And I'm like, I was never into any of that. I was just out being a kid. I don't know. It was just different. Yeah. I really noticed it more as you get older. You start to remind yourself of all the things and kids around you and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, I really just, I guess, had that passion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that passion, does it, does it feel the same way? Like myself, I'm a very passionate person. Yeah. Like, I still feel like that childlike being inside the, an older person's body. Like you hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. I think I'm a big kid at heart. Um, I would definitely say, I think that passion reiterates the levels that you have to go to. I understood how passionate I was about the sport and mm. it only got me so far because there wasn't that extra work. There wasn't that extra learning. There wasn't the you know, if I had a buddy whose dad played in the NHL or something, it's like, okay, why don't we learn from them? Or how did you do it? Or, you know, taking those steps to figure out what it takes to be at the best or be at the top um, is a big learning thing that I've learned today. So I think that's really helped me in terms of like, you're passionate about your industry, 
Now it's great to have passion, but how can you turn that into something that's way more? How can you influence others in, you know, get that passion across so that you can inspire people? Now, let me ask you. So like with all of that, did you have YouTube and all of the online platforms to learn like how to do the shot? So yeah, so, like, no, no, videos? it was a totally different ball game. I think in today's world in general, in any, any industry, not just mm -hmm. real estate, I think, you know, even for the kids coming up, it's, you have so much resources now that there's no excuse, mm -hmm. right? Any excuse is what you're telling yourself. So if you want to be the best, you literally can be the best. Mm -hmm. There are books about, you know, Kobe Bryant and Jordan and their training schedules and what they did and LeBron. And, you know, if you want to be basketball, football, this, that. So I think the blueprints are there now. And I think in today's world, you actually just have to ask yourself, are you willing? That's the bigger dif the differentiate, I think. It's are you willing to put in what it's going to take to do it? Mm. So you said you started your company in Texas. So you were a realtor in the States? No, no, I started here. Started I started here. So I did the firefighting was in Texas. Okay. And then I realized during it when I was in Texas that I always thought I would do firefighting, a little part-time real estate here and there, oh, you know, well, not knowing nothing about it, right? Do a yeah, couple of yeah. deals, you know, the fun, <laughs> the, the typical view job. of it, right? Exactly. And then I realized when I came back, I started the license actually when I was away. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I came back, I was like, okay, this is totally started learning way more about how it works, everything about it. Learned like, you know, the part-time's not really going to work, that kind of thing. But then I also learned the difference, like what I can do in real estate versus this, where I'll be. And I just thought to myself, you know what, you know, this career here of ex of firefighting isn't going to bring me that life of maximum fulfillment mm -hmm. that I felt like I could achieve. Um, I was going to ask that. How fulfilling is that? that type of job versus a job where you're literally like helping people create their dreams. Yeah. And I mean, you know, both fulfilling in two different ways, right? Mm -hmm. In one aspect, you're helping someone in probably the most traumatic yeah, state of their life, story, right? So it's a different a type. And one, you're dream. creating a memory that can put somebody in success for the rest of their life, saving some, it, you know, I wouldn't say there you can merit either or I think for me, I have to look at it in the sense of what, what can I do that I'm more passionate about? Um, there's no right or wrong answer. I think that's the problem nowadays in a sense where everyone thinks there has to be a yes or a no answer that to be honest, there isn't. It's just, I, for me personally, this is what will bring me the life I want. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really necessarily say, you know, so saving a, people is less than helping people build wealth. Of course not. So being but. a firefighter <laughs> probably taught you a lot about um, like the public eye and public people on like how they view people. Of course. And I think that's a big, I mean, being in a customer service industry, you know, coming from even a service bartending background like that. I mean, the customer's always right. Mm -hmm. Right. That kind of even retail sales I was in, the customer's always right. Right. And, you know, and let's just, you, you don't like to argue that in a sense from a customer standpoint, I think it was instilled in me at such an early age and workforce and public perception that sure. it's just been natural for me to put the customer first. 100%. doesn't matter what I'm doing. hundred percent. And what made you decide to come back to Canada that then to sell the real estate? Was it just easier because you were from here or? Yeah. I never had a plan to stay in Texas. There yeah. was never a plan. It was more the schooling that I was down there for, for the mm -hmm. most part. Makes sense. Um, and yeah, I always knew I wanted to come back. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a city guy at heart. Uh, you know, from Mississauga, live in Toronto. So I think for me, it was always, I think Canada has been my home. I mean, now I would transition. I would say I probably don't see myself retiring or staying in Canada. For sure. Um, funny enough. <laughs> but, you know, if you would ask me that question five years ago, I probably would have a different answer. So, I think there's a lot you know, of, it's a lot of learning, right? Years, though, yeah. Too, that have like opened our eyes to. Yeah, I think life has changed. Life, how we used to know it to what it is now to, you know, 
the basic media marketing and just, you know, our industry in general, if you take it mm-hmm. from a small scale, I think everything in terms of media, social media marketing, there's so many misperceptions of everything out there mm-hmm. that you really have to zone in now and focus on what's important to you. What do you actually want when you sit down in a dark room and say to yourself, what do I want as a person? Where do I see myself? Those are the questions that everyone just needs to ask. And once you can really narrow those down, it just helps you have a clear vision. So transitioning them from having a coach tell you exactly what you need to do to get to your goal versus now having to do it yourself or having somebody at your office tell you what to do. Like, was it a weird thing to have to hold yourself more accountable or was it something that you already had to do because Um, of the after? Yeah, I think the, the holding yourself accountable in this industry in general will probably be your hardest part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the day-to-day activity, the showings, you know, you can learn scripts, you can talk to clients to be honest, the hardest part of the job is discipline. Yeah. The hardest part of the job is waking up every day, knowing that no one's telling you to show up for sure. Right. No one's making you go knock on those doors for two hours on a Monday morning. Especially right? when like you've just sold a couple of things. Well, yeah, too, exactly. And, and like- some, you know, some people you make a big sale and it's like, what's driving you? A lot of people run the roller coaster up and down mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, we make a deal. Two months later, no deal. Up, 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 down, up, down, up, down, right? Versus that consistent flow and go and go in and out, in and out, mm-hmm. in and out. Because the one thing with real estate is we're, um, we're deceived by how we perceive commission. By what I mean by that is you can do a deal and make 50 grand, yeah. right? And we tell ourselves, I just made 50 grand. But when you break it down, you have taxes, splits, expenses, fees. So you're not really walking away with 50 yeah. grand. Right. And a lot of it. Yeah. And a lot of us, I mean, the stats came out, right. The average realtors does about four deals a year. Mm-hmm. So if you really work out a four deal and let's just use a, a 50, we'll even be nice. We'll say a $20,000 average commission, which is pretty high. Yeah. Right. But even if we did that's 80 K. So even after 80, when you work your splits, taxes and everything, you're really back to netting 45, 50. Yeah. Right. But we blow up our minds and thinking we're doing so much more. I think it's the freedom that people are like, wow, like I don't really it care. Is, yeah. So with you building your business year over year, what has allowed you to do that? Do you have goals? Like how do you set your goals? Yeah. So I think, yeah, to touch on that, I think that's the biggest misconception. It's like, you're not actually as free as you think. Mm-hmm. If anything, I would argue you're less free. A hundred percent. I would 100%. actually argue there's less freedom in real estate. And, and what I mean by that is if you work your nine to five at five o'clock, when you leave that office, you don't think about that again till nine o'clock the next day. Exactly. Right. You can leave the office at five and get a call at seven. Something goes wrong with the listing at eight. Someone sends you an offer at 10. Well, you got to deal with all of it. Right. Saturday mm-hmm. morning, you might have to go to an event or, you know, you got your kids thing. It's like, well, well, here's an offer. I want an answer by 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. You got nothing else. You have to deal with it. Right. So, you know, it's I think knowing why you're getting into the industry and understanding your goals and understanding what you want. Like I do my goals every year. We've set something in stand because if you don't have any goals, you don't have any purpose to what you're doing. You're just going to go through that roller coaster of a ride. Now, what do you do when you like tell your friends and family, no, I'm, I'm going to put the real estate aside, but those, those messages come in, Hey, I have an offer. We need it back by 3 PM and you're out in an event. Like, how do you deal with those things? I think it's one of those now. I mean, it helps because I've built a team around me. So yep. by building that team around me, I do have ex- access with an agent. I do have an assistant. So, you know, worst case, something like that does, we do have resources that can be helped, but ultimately at the end of the day, they kind of just understand and know. Mm-hmm. I say this every single day and I say real estate is a Monday to Monday, nine to nine job. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything in between there, if you're not working Sunday, it's great. It's your day off. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at it in a standpoint now. It's a little psychotic, I guess, but the way I look at it in all honesty, if you think about your top, top percent realtors, sure. you know, you can potentially make upwards to a million dollars. So let's call it what it is. 
your average NHL hockey player salary is 2.2. Mm-hmm. Well, 60% of their salary is gone to taxes, management, and everything. So if your average salary is 2.2 and you're netting about 40%, you're making the same money as a professional athlete. Exactly. So if you break down a professional athlete's life and their work days and their schedule, they are literally going so for go, 10 go, go. months every single day, flights, this, this. So if you can embody that schedule or Even think half that it, way and think half of it, <laughs> yeah. in our real estate, we don't have to do those things, yeah. right? We're not flying. We're not doing this. So if you embody half of that lifestyle and think to yourself and you give yourself, you know, the slower, the end of December's, the early January's and say to yourself, that's my month off. Mm-hmm. You already in your mind have already chosen. All right, we're living this way mm-hmm. because you get to live those ways. I said it to a couple of agents that have like come on and come and gone. And I always say to them, I said, you want to make X amount of dollars, 150, 200. Well, do you understand what it makes, takes to make that money? If you're making 200, 250 in the corporate world, let's say, right? You're, you're a slave to them. Yeah. You are working 60, 70 hours a week. You are taking the go or driving into your office. You do not 100%. have a say. You're lucky if you get your half an hour um, lunch break. Your boss is on you every day. Mm-hmm. So I say to people, it's like, you know, I see some guys are doing oil changes at 10 in the morning. They're going to the gym at 1 p.m. It's like, understand if you want to make this money, you have to act like. It. Yeah. And I think the biggest misconception is we want to act like it when we get it versus we have to act like it before we get it. I feel like there's a lot of people in the industry who like show up and do their check-ins on their stories to make it look like they're working. Yeah. And like they show up at the office, but like they're thinking they're getting work done. But a lot of the time, like doing all that chit chat, like you get like 45 minutes of actual work done. Like, what do you do? What is your, what does your schedule look like? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And that's, that's case in point, right? A lot of people are, are mistaking movement for achievement, Mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, I drove here or, you know, my showing was in Hamilton at 11 PM. So I left at 9.30, I got a coffee and breakfast, and then I got back at 1 p.m. Man, it's been a rough day, it's been six hours. Yeah. No, it wasn't. You were doing showings from 11 to 12. You worked an hour so far. Yes. Right? So I think it's a misconception of what people are telling themselves. Um, You know, and I think a lot of the social media, you know, oh, I'm leaving the office, it's late, or it's this, it's like, oh, got to the office at 9 a.m. Great. Like, 95% of the other world that works also got to their office at 9 a.m. Exactly. Right? Like, why are we showing it? You know what I mean? So I think it's just, you're, you're convincing yourself you're doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be in any job or industry, anybody who has a goal or a purpose or what they want to do, whatever you tell yourself in your head is going to be true. Right. 100%. I think it's that accountability and being honest with yourself and understanding where you are today, where you want to go. And if you're not, if the gap is really big, find someone who's there and go work for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's a big, big misconception of like, the work for free, or I'm not volunteering. I, I need something in return. Exactly. Well, you didn't do anything, right? You want to learn from this person who's doing something. That's the payment. That is the payment. Exactly. Yeah. When you're, someone told me a long time ago, so when you, when you're worth nothing, your time is worth is everything. But mm-hmm. when you're worth a lot, right? Sorry. Yes. When you're worth a lot, now you're trading back time. Yeah. Right. So if you're not making a lot of money and I, and I've said this to an agent one time, cause we were talking about splits for teams. So, you know, I asked them a couple things and I just said, well, you're asking for a better split. And my team splits are actually a little bit higher than the industry standard. So I'm like, well, their previous year, they did, I think three deals or four deals, bunch of leases, whatnot. So I said, you are asking me for a better split, but yet your numbers are below the agent average. Mm -hmm. So what value are you bringing the team that you deserve more? 
Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a, a different way of thinking where it I was think you coming their from. Eyes though too, it's like not everybody gets mad in those situations. It kind of is like an eye opener. Of like, well, and that's totally all it true. was. It wasn't anything mean. It's not 100%. saying, "Hey, you're not worth it." Like, don't not at all. Yeah. I think it's just it's coming from a different standpoint of, "Hey, what have you done to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Tell me why you deserve more. I'm all for paying more, mm-hmm. but show me what have you done because I don't know you. You don't know me. You know my numbers and where I have. Yeah, based on yours, uh, what else am I giving you? Right. Sure. So I think it's a, a lot of self-realization when it comes down to a lot of these things and just understanding like, and I mean, I'm a huge Kobe Jordan, love both of them. I'm not even a big basketball fan, to be honest with you. I, I hockey was my thing, yeah. but I love the mindset and the mentality behind it. It was that drive of, if I want to be number one, mm-hmm. I need to know what the guy who's number one is doing and do just be like double the amount yeah. of work or find ways. If I can't do that, where yeah. do they slow down so I can pick up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, an easy example for me. And, and again, this is nothing negative. It's positive, but I did join a team because that's what I wanted to do. So that's kind of how I even got into a lot of it and how I built my own. Sure. Um, and my biggest thing was I wanted to learn what that person did every single day. What's your t- daily schedule? What are you doing? You have kids, a family. Okay. How do you maneuver these? Where are you coming home from dinner? Like, all the back end stuff that nobody thinks about or sees. And my broker challenged me one time because I was trying to call around and I do a big, a big thing with calling people um, mm. just to, to learn from, them, right? See, what are you doing? And those kind of things. And he challenged me to call people I wouldn't normally think about, right? Who are the big industry leaders with families, kids? How are they maneuvering and still doing these amount of deals? Mm. So it really put things in perspective in, in that regard on what it really takes. So then for you, like I know with myself personally, like I can't blind leading the blind. I can't do something if I've never seen it done. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you have a mentor or a specific person that you like copied their routines, copied and just believed yeah, in? Yeah, so I was, like, I was on a team. Blindly, blindly yeah, I was on a it? team. So I was on a team. Um, Jeff Ham, he was a big, big uh, team oh, yeah, at our, sure. yeah, at our Keller Williams there. So they run a big team. I would say he was a good mentor for the two, the year and a half I was on the team there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was kind of me learning, seeing where you've developed, learning from the, the things I want, don't want, you know, you kind of learn that way. And then once branched on my own, you kind of have to find your own. Okay. Now you've been on the big team. You've seen the operations, you see what they do. You roughly see kind of where their income is, mm-hmm. right? You see the lifestyle. So what do you want? Where do I want to go? So for me personally, you know, I've noticed with a lot of older agents that are, you know, let's say trying to retire, they're five years out and whatnot. A lot of them don't even have an investment portfolio. They don't have a retirement plan. There's no, all right, I'm doing 40, 50 deals consistently last 10, 15 years, but how do I get rid of this business now? Like I can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really like put the light bulb on now. And it's kind of like, okay, like, sure, we make good money right now, but how can I make sure I can utilize this so that I won't be in the industry for 30 years. Like I don't, I personally you, will not be selling real estate. You definitely sound I'm a little 16. bit more entrepreneurial though, where I see like most agents are salespeople where they don't realize you have to make the money, build the system and then yeah. have your money service your people. And you exactly. just have to like build a team, exactly. and and service your team, give them good leads yep. and they'll take care of you. And that's, I think the big transition, the sooner people look at it as, okay, this is a means to fund something else. Exactly. Because you're in an uncapped commission world, you can fund yourself on one year and I've seen agents blow up in one year, do a million dollars. And it's like, holy crap. And then you don't hear from them again for five years. And you're like, what, what happened to you? Well, you know, with all the money here, I bought this investment, bought that investment. I did this. And now my family's happy. We're content. 
This is a quick sponsor from Editor Pro, our video editing sponsor. If you're looking to step up your social presence and have any video edited with captions, with the best quality of color grading, and with the best engaging jump cuts, send your videos over to Editor Pro, and for $40, they will turn around a perfect social media optimized video. My mortgage is now paid off, or it's like, huh. So if you have that mentality early on, especially for any new realtors that are coming up, Man, save your money. If you're making good checks, don't worry about the cars, this, that. Yeah. Go buy an investment property. The first thing you should be trying to do is buy an investment property. Well, think about like an apple tree. Like you're not going to get an apple the next day. No. But 30 years yeah. from now, like you're going to be able to pick an apple every single day. Yeah, and, and thing you know, and thing. the way I look at it too is, you know, especially if you're new a realtor, right? I can't teach you about investing if I don't know the do's and don'ts. Exactly. So a big thing for me was until, you know, sales always come natural to me. So I could sell your home. I can door knock. I can learn the basics of real estate. So. I didn't push investing as mm. much as I do now because I never understood you it. Confident I wasn't confident in it, right? I bought my first house at 27, a year into real estate. I bought my first house. Amazing. You know, I would say if I look back on it, it was probably a bad buy. You know, really? I probably screwed up so many things. Now, I can't say it's a bad buy in the sense of like, but it was a learning opportunity. It was a learning opportunity. It's not a bad buy because it's funded me now to purchase more. Mm -hmm. It's renting and giving me massive income. So I'll never look at it as a negative. I would say it was a huge learning curve, mm -hmm. right? An agent told me one time, um, you know, the best experience is a mistake, right? So through that, yes, you know, if I went and got an MBA or sat in on all sorts of investor seminars and paid all this money, sure, I could have learned. But mm -hmm. me buying it, going through it, understanding costs of things, renovations, this and that, I rented the whole thing, did everything. That kind of experience now, I can tell any client that wants to purchase, buy this, invest, flip well, that. Think if it was exactly a perfect investment, you had all this cash flow coming in, you're gonna be like, ah, oh, maybe I don't need another investment property. Well, this and I think nice. exactly, and I think that's also where the market is today, yeah. right? A lot of people who bought those simple pre-cons five, six years ago or eight years ago, they're like, investing's easy, real estate's so easy, just buy yeah, it and you'll yeah. make so much money. And it's not exactly that clean cut, yeah. but being able to work through the trenches, you're just able to, to adapt and talk to so many more people. And I think being well-versed that way and coming from a learning perspective and just going through the process, you don't really have that feel of like, you know, like I'm, I'm in a rush or I need to do this. Or I need to, do, it's kind of like, we're here for the process. We're going with the ups and downs. Let's ride these markets out, see what happens. Well, if you look at like the best leaders in this world, like Everybody wants to be the leader, but nobody knows like how much the leader knows truly about a business. So like, yep. you need to know every intricacy of yep. like what you're doing or else like if you're giving advice, people are like literally putting all of their money, their life savings yep. on the line exactly. with you. Yep. And I always say this how too. How do you sleep at night if you screw that up? It's true. It's yeah. true. And I think that's the one part with our industry that's probably the biggest flawed thing. It's a, it's too easy to get a license mm -hmm. for what you are doing. No stockbroker, financial advisor. CFA, CPA, like it's years of school, degrees, this, that. You need a high school diploma to get it a thing, but yet exactly. you're dealing with most people's biggest assets of their life. Mm -hmm. So to screw that up, it's such a big responsibility. And I think in our industry, people don't take that serious enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the problems that you see. It's very saturated with the cheap way out, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I always say, people will spend weeks on edge um, looking up the best uh, all-inclusive resort and reading all the reviews, but yet the realtor who a buddy's friend, part-time agent walks in, they'll give me half percent off. Let's go with them. Yeah, for it's sure. Like, why would you not be looking yeah. into this? You're worried about $2,000 vacation, your million dollar home where you're looking at five, $600,000. 
you're willing just to give up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it, it blows my mind. And that's just an education standpoint. I think like it's because people are not experienced enough in the home selling process. So like when, when they buy a phone, for example, yeah. and you buy like a cheap phone off of uh, Amazon or something, it's going to break after three yeah. months. Like that's why we buy an iPhone. Yeah. You want the quality. You're buying the brand because they know, you know, and they're confident that their product is good. That's what a good yep. realtor, quality realtor does as well. And that's what it is, right? You're paying not for the sale. You're paying for the overall transaction, right. the guidance, the value, the negotiating. Mm -hmm. There's so much more, the planning, the things that go in the back end, the smooth transition, the timeline, like everything from just it being smooth from let's sell our house to, okay, you have to do this versus, okay, everything's taken care of. It's all done. We're done. Ready well, to go. <laughs> if you're a better negotiator than the person that's supposed to be negotiating your house, like, do you really want that person selling your house? That's exactly what I always say. It's kind of case in point. Like ultimately <laughs> deals are won and lost in the negotiation. You'd be yeah. shocked at how many times on the other side you should hear what people are saying. Right. And, and to be honest, that is the reality of it. People are looking to save a half percent, 1%, but yet they're negotiating their own properties down three, 4%, or, yeah. you know, that buy instead of getting that 10, 15 K off, you know, the person's giving you back the cash back. They don't care what you get the price for. Mm -hmm. They just want the deal done so they can move on. So I don't want to bash too much on these half percent style realtors, but when you're on the phone with them doing deals with them, do, do they feel like they're fully involved and engaged or does it kind of feel like a part-time job? Working with um, I mean, you know, you can't really comment on the part, the 1% half percent. Everyone's different. You don't know the back end stuff. I would mm -hmm. say in regards to more your discount brokerages, yeah, you know, like getting your, in contact your with fair them. square, if you want to call it, which also just went under business. It so, did. I mean, Interesting. you know, you're always going to have those people in the industry. There's always going to be the undercutting person. Somebody will all see value in it. Some people mm -hmm. won't. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I always just say, you know, it comes down to the person and understanding what you're selling and mm -hmm. understanding what is important about selling your home. Is it about making the most money? Is it about giving yourself the most opportunity? Or is it about saving a couple bucks? For sure. Right? So it, it really depends. So to wrap up the show here, like where are your goals? Where do you see the next five years of real estate going? What are your goals with real estate for the next five years? So for me, um, in, you know, in general, for real estate, where I see it going, what's moving, it's transition now. I think you're, you're back into more of a stable, more of a, if you, you know, just erase the last two years, let's call it. <laughs> and, you know, anyone who was in real estate before the pandemic, you know, your 2017, you saw a jump, but your 2018, 2019 years, 2016s were more, more stable, secured. You had to be farming. You had to be door knocking. You had to be cold calling, looking up expireds. You had to be, you know, making sure you're talking to your database, asking for business. You had to be doing things versus, Hey buddy, you want to sell your house? You're about to get 200,000 more than yeah. the guy a month ago. For sure. Great. All right. Sell it. Like a lot of people, if you ask a lot of people who moved over the last two years, they didn't necessarily move for necessity. A lot of them were just like, man, I can get an amazing price that I would have got five years. So I'm a real estate home. photographer. I was, <laughs> yeah, a, I was, I was more say. of a real estate photographer. So I dealt, I dealt with a lot of the homeowners without the realtors being there. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, I didn't realize you were coming in today to do the photos. My realtor told me that we have to sell the house now or else it's not going to get sold. So I guess we're putting it on the market. Like a lot of the homeowners, some of the times didn't even know no, like, what was happening. No, they were just like letting yeah, it go because yeah, it's the market. Yeah. And that, that, you know, in certain markets, you know, Let's, let's say anyone who I would say doesn't have kids that are in a school where you could arguably just uproot and leave, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, that annoying neighbor that you can deal with where I come to you and tell you, Hey man, you want to sell your house and make 400 grand. You bought it two years ago. Mm -hmm. Shoot. I never made 400 grand in my life. Let's sell it. Why not? Now mm -hmm. I'm off the street. I'll go buy something else and 
whatever, right? So I think that has changed and a lot of the skill that was involved behind real estate is gone. Mm -hmm. So I think moving over the next three to five years, that is going to be where the skilled agents will start to really flourish and you're going to start to see a big separation in terms of the majority doing the business and the mm -hmm. struggling. And you're going to see a really big push on a lot of newer agents that really want to be in the business to be in it for the right reasons versus I want to be a realtor to travel or I want to be a realtor because I can make easy money and oh, I don't have business. to work or I, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I can put it in my bio. Like those people are going to get washed out like any industry, sure. but the ones who want it will learn the best. I think there's a massive opportunity though for anybody who's been in the business five, 10 years and has a past client pool because there's so many people who haven't sold yeah. and who haven't moved and have equity in their yeah. home yeah. where maybe the mortgages are scaring them. But if you can kind of get them to understand that like you're not going to like keep that mortgage rate forever. Well, that's, and that's and the thing, right? That and dream I house exactly. And I think right now where the gap is because we came out of such a crazy market, a lot of the realtors that are, that were in the business 20, 30 years are also like, I'm sick of this. Yeah. I don't want this new TikTok crap. Like yeah. I'm done with this. I'm out. So I think there's a big opportunity for the people that have been in the business in that five, six year who have built a good business mm -hmm. into your like 10 to 20 range agents that, you know, the next five years is market share. You're, you're playing the 2026, 2027 game. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that for myself personally is I'm really not too focused on my numbers. Obviously I am, I have goals, but I'm looking at 2025 to 2030. If mm. I can plant the biggest pipeline this year, next year, while the markets are changing, things are like up and down, people are here and there, we just came up pandemic, this, that, whatever, that when that market cycles back into that big market again, I am ready to go. Yeah. And we will be so implemented that it'll just night mm. and day. Your business in real estate can flip like that. Mm. So I think if you're ready and you set yourself up with the right processes, whether it be you're the farming, the base, you're building the a foundation right now. I think what everybody does in our industry where I've really become a student of the industry and, you know, and this comes from me leaving the team, not having a coach and what I did, and this is a great tip for any realtor really is, um, what I did was once a week, I made it a point to find the top industry realtors, whether it be at my brokerage, other brokerages, mm -hmm. and I would DM them, email them, call them. If you don't know how to get their phone numbers, go look for one of their listings. It'll be on there. Exactly. Right. So, and I just asked them, Hey, don't need now. Can I take 30 minutes of your time? A phone call. Can I come meet you at your office? Where will you be? I met people in Stony Creek. I met people in Burlington, call people 45 minutes. Some people you have to, you know, some of the big guys might take you two months to get a hold of them. But I just, from learning that way, it was like free coaching. I got 30 minutes to an hour coaching call every single week for a year from all sorts of top realtors. And the one general thing I've learned, and I watch a lot of younger realtors now do it, is everyone gets stuck with like, I don't know if it's an ego thing, but it's like, I have a team, I have a team, I have four agents working for me. I have this, it's like, like you have four agents, but you don't have an assistant. Mm -hmm. What are you building? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, everybody wants to have all these people around them, but it's like the time you're servicing, what you're doing, and when you actually dig into the people are like, are they actually doing anything for you? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then you have to ask yourself, well, it's not their fault. They're not doing anything for you, but are you bringing them or teaching them to do anything? Like if you mm -hmm. have a bunch of agents working for you, you know, my biggest thing. And even when I was looking for a team was if I'm on a team and the head agent is making 500 K GCI and they got four agents on their team making 60, what does that tell me? Mm -hmm. That tells me that they're just filling people. They're, they have they have four other agents that are just assistants for them. What if you had a bunch of ninjas like on your team? Everybody's <laughs> killing it. You only had five people, but everybody's making two hundred fifty k. Well, and that shows more about the team leader and the mm -hmm. dynamic than 
the guy with 20 agents making nothing. Sure. Right. And also I don't want to be that person. You know how much time you have to deal with for that? Like yeah. I would rather run myself lean with one, two agents and have a big number team because we can do a lot of numbers. Well, the people making 60 K a year are going to be complaining to you. Why aren't I making money? Why aren't I making well, and money? That's the thing, right? I mean, you, you, you could, you show me anyone's GCN. I can tell you why they're not doing what they're doing. Ultimately sure. your average realtor, like I said, is not working what they should be working. If you look into your days and I always say this to anybody who's thinking, if I asked you what you did yesterday, what would you rate yourself? Yeah. What would your boss say to you if they found out what you did from nine to five yesterday? I think the big eye opener for me was like Joe Rogan said it is like if you literally could live your life as if you had a documentary yeah. following you around yeah. every day, like would you be happy? Yeah. Most of the people no. are going to say no. No, not at all. Yeah. I think that's a great way to do it. I think, you know, it's, it's wild to me. It's just, you know, I always say it goes back to people just telling them the reality. It's like, do you want this? Sometimes you mm. got to ask yourself, is this what you want? Cause you know, I always say, and I challenge everybody, and this might be a good takeaway too. It's, um, I say to everyone, and me and my buddy came up with this one, 72 is the magic number. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is after you've worked eight hours a day, Monday to Friday, nine to five, and slept eight hours a night, right? You have 72 hours left in a week. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with it? Right? That's literally on seven days. You're almost what? That's almost 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, give yourself you maybe an hour, two hours for commute. Give yourself an hour and a half, two hours of eating. You're still left with six hours of your day that what are you doing with? Are you reading? Are you learning? Are you working another part-time job? Like if you add six hours a day for five days, that's 30 hours. That's some mm -hmm. time, that's people's full-time hours sometimes. Like what <laughs> I think one thing that people need to realize is like, so I, I, it was hard for me to realize this, but when I brought people on board, like I had to free up my time to yep. focus on building just learning. So like my team might be doing something and I might be reading a book, but what that's allowing me to do is learn to be able to build them yeah. up. And yeah. Build it's the all systems. leverage, right? Everything with building a team is leverage. Um, the best way I look at leverage, and this is kind of a cool little way to think about it is, um, and I learned this from, from a mentor and the whole purpose of leverage is so that you can be in two places at once. Mm -hmm. What some people don't realize with leverage is they'll say to themselves, okay, I have an assistant now. So they're working on my paperwork Monday morning. I can go sleep in. I'll go, I'll go to the, go do my nails. I'll go do the spa. I'll get my oil changed. I'll do that. And then I'll come back to the office at 12. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not the point. The point is while I'm driving, they're booking showings for me. Mm -hmm. While I'm on a listing appointment, they're setting up the next thing. If I don't need them to do something, I do it right. That's the whole point of leverage. It's so that you can be in two places, three places, four places at once. Right. Yeah, I think the idea of the business owner or entrepreneurs <laughs> become sexy of like, Oh, I can create freedom. Yeah. But everybody wants the passive income stream. So everybody yes. wants to be the passive investor, not yeah. the entrepreneur. No. They want to yeah. be the investor. And I think that's one thing they have to quickly realize. Last question I'll leave you with. Yeah. When you were interviewing those different agents, yeah. I feel like a lot of people do this and it's kind of become like the podcast without the cameras. How wow. do you keep yourself from really tooting your own horn during those conversations and just shutting up and listening and being a sponge and taking as much as you can? So actually it's funny you mentioned that actually. So I actually do this on listing appointments as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't talk about myself at all. Mm -hmm. um, in my listing appointment, we will touch upon it. So I, yeah, that's a lie, but we do talk about it, but we don't actually touch upon anything about me until good 15, 20 minutes into my conversations at a table. Yep. And if an agent comes and sits down with me, I actually reflect the whole thing back on them. Mm. You know, I, an agent came to me and this is kind of also how I want to build my team and build my business is I want talent to come to me. 
Mm. I want to attract the people that I want around me. So the way I look at it, if I can build myself up and be the industry leader that people will see me as, you will, the talent will come, right? Why did LeBron go to Miami? The talent was there, Mm -hmm. right? Like why do top players want to be on the best team, right? Because they want to play and be with the best so they can put themselves at that level, Mm -hmm. right? So again, if you were to come to me and say, okay, you know, I want to join your team. All right. Why do you want to join my team? Right? Okay. What are you looking to get out of this team? Okay. What do you do? What did you do yesterday? That was a question I asked somebody because they said to me they were spending X amount of dollars on marketing. Um, and I said to them, okay, like, what did you do yesterday? Tell me. And I'll, I'll give you the example. He told me his day. He said, well, I, I made some calls in the morning and then I, I had to edit a video for social media. I said, okay. So how many calls did you make? So he made a couple calls. Couldn't tell me the number. I said, okay, whatever. Two. So I said, what time was this at? <laughs> 10 o'clock. Okay, cool. So then he had to edit some videos. I said, okay. So then what time did you finish? Oh, like uh, I was done around like four, three o'clock. I said, okay, so when did you start working on your job? Well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you didn't do anything yeah. the whole day. Like your job as a realtor is to lead generate. You're supposed to find deals, yeah. right? If you're not lead generating, you're not working. So I think when someone comes to me, it's more so reflected of, you know, what are you doing? Why are you not successful right now? And where can I help you if I can help you? And mm-hmm. if I feel like there's an area to help you, you're doing the things, you know, you're not seeing results or anything like that, then we can take it further. But 90% of people are just not honest with themselves. And, you know, a couple of people I've actually just, you know, turned it back to them. And when we go over their goals and, and simple wants and needs and one guy, I kind of broke it down to him and I, I just asked him, do you want to be in real estate? Yeah. You know, it wasn't anything mean. It was just kind of like, well, you don't know why you want to make this money. You don't know what you want to do for. So I can't help you if you don't know what you want. And I think as a team leader, understanding why someone's coming to you will be whether they be a successful agent or not on your team. And that shows like a very powerful leader too. Cause it's like, wait, you don't want to just make money off of me. You're not going to do it all for me. Like you, you expect me to do something for you as well. And, so that, and I like, think that's the big a problem, a misconception with people. Right. And that's why if you build a foundation really strong and you have a good set of assistants around you, mm-hmm. you don't need to rely on other people. I feel when you hear of team leaders having bad experiences with agents or this or that, they're lazy. They're that. I always ask, I asked one team leader with them and said, well, what was your agent's goal? Yeah. And, you know, she told me the agent's goal was uh, it it was a lower number. It was like under 100K. And I was like, well, your goal for her was three times the amount of her own goal for herself. Mm -hmm. She'll never hit your goal. So now every week you're hounding on her something she doesn't want. You're not happy. She's not happy. And you're coming into a situation where like if you just realize what her goal was, maybe she just wasn't even a good fit from the start. I, I feel like you're really good with the psychology side of things. I think a lot of people think business is business and they don't really bring in the psychology part of like how building yeah. a team works and how different emotions and how different people react I, to Yeah, things. no, that's a good point. I think in terms of leadership and building, it's all mindset and mental. Like, mm. I mean, anyone, Tony Robbins, um, crap, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. John Maxwell, great leadership books and stuff that they talk about in there, but everything they're talking about is mindset. It's exactly. all mental. It's what you tell yourself, right? I always tell every agent cause they all come hot out the gate after their goals. I'm like, your motivation is going to be gone. Mm. What is your schedule? 
Like, what is your discipline days? I think the best realtors that are going to come out of this market are the ones who are like just started yeah. in this market yes. right now. Yes. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Set themselves sure. up so they're still in this market three yeah. years from now. I think the the ones that will they have will kill it. The ones that will have the hardest time right now are the ones that started over the last two years. If they're still working or they're still doing business, they will struggle the most. Yeah. Um. You know, and if they do a good job of learning and teaching themselves and joining that team or propelling themselves, like. I mean, to put it in perspective, I think people want to make so much money right off the bat. I mean, my business, when I was on the team for a year and a half, two years was, it was good business. I was probably doing between 20 to 30 deals on the team. Don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong. But the minute I left the team, my business propelled and shot like a whole nother level. And it was like, that was a two years, let's call it two years of me just taking a step back to learn, Mm -hmm. propelled me to a business where I'm doing numbers that people 10 years, 12 years in the business are doing. And I've done it in half the amount of time. I was going to say the same thing. It was similar for me. Like when I was, I did it a little earlier. So when I was 12, I took like 10 years learning video. So as soon as I started gray media, we blew up, but it was because I took all of this time to learn and nobody really had the talent of what I did. So anybody in the first like 16 months of any business, you should be losing money. You should be wanting to lose money because you're investing into yourself, yeah, investing. buying all the yeah. courses to learn yeah. how and to it, become that best. Person. And even on that case, you don't even in with real estate, you don't need to lose money. You don't yeah. need to really? spend anything. Seriously. Like I'll tell you, I'm six years in the business now. And this is my first year spending money on videos, content, wow. um, social media posts. Like we did posts with our listings mm-hmm. and pushed it that way, but you're listing, you have budgets. So it's all included. This is the first time I'm spending money outside of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and that's six years in the business and I'm doing you know, 50, 60 deals a year. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you don't need all these fancy things to start and be successful. You need to learn. Mm -hmm. And the faster you can learn, the more knowledge you'll have and people will hire you for your knowledge. People don't realize like, so knowledge is the true value. Like I've had a lot of money in my bank account before. Yeah. And the knowledge is the one thing that's never gone away. Yeah. That's the one thing that I think. And and actually, you know, it's funny you say that because I said this to somebody the other day and I'm curious to hear your answer on this one. If I were to say to you today, I will give you $10 million today, or in five years, you keep doing what you're doing, you'll earn 10 million. Which would you take? I would do the five years because I appreciate the journey. Like learning how to do that, I'd probably fuck it up and lose the 10 million investing into all of these real 100%, 100%. estate opportunities right now. I, I would love to know the answer to the question. To be honest, it's just something I thought about. But it was funny. The person I asked said they take the money right away. Mm-hmm. I personally am the same way. I would rather learn how to make the 10 million in five years mm-hmm. because if I know how to make 10 million, that means I'll know how to make a hundred million mm-hmm. because I figured out 10. Well, I've been, <laughs> I've, 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 failed. and I can keep the money. I failed That's forwarded so many times. So yeah. like when I was 14, I had 80,000 subscribers. Right. So I feel like I was in that situation right, where they right. had given it to me. Right. And I, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So like I didn't yeah. know how to really utilize it. Yeah. And it's similar like right now, like the business is really blowing up and I've never really ran a true business before. So right. I'm really juggling how to, how to perfect it. So I don't really want to be given everything because yeah. the people who have been given everything in life, like they usually lose it. Well, exactly. It's usually right. the people who come from the bottom and yeah. build. Well, because you know how to job. do it. And you're also at the same standpoint of there's not that fear of losing because you know how mm-hmm. versus if I give you it, you technically can lose it. Mm-hmm. If I earned it, I can't really lose it. Yeah, I can lose it theoretically, but. I also know how to get it back. I think the payment is really just like knowing that you earned it. Like yeah. all of the hard work yeah. and the, like the stories. Well, you'll appreciate it too, yeah, right? You want to hold it closer to you because you know the blood, sweat, and tears it took in there. Like I'll even admit it. Like when I'm door knocking, I'm we're door knocking now. Like I was door knocking literally last week. Like mm-hmm. we were in the snow. We were out there doing our stuff because 
I know if I set these habits up and I give myself a true couple of years of doing these things now, I'll get to sit on the beach when I'm 45. I'll get to do the things. And I think perspective in life, and this is me not even just real estate wise, understanding that, you know, I get it from Gary Vee a lot, but we're so young. Mm-hmm. Like at 33, I haven't even lived half of my life. You know, I, I personally don't think the first 18 years of your life was really living. You only know the four walls you grew up in. You're a kid, right? You don't have real life experience. You know, I mean, think and grow rich. Like people hit their prime at like 38, 40. Yeah. That's when people at their prime. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That makes sense. That's that's like when everybody's the president or runs the business. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? It's funny because I door knock in a higher end area and guess what? All it's, it's funny because you know, you you always have pressures of society, you know, when you're in your late twenties, when are you getting married? When's the kids? When's this? And it's like, I'm going to these homes and you can tell that they're in their forties and there's a two-year-old running exactly. around. Exactly. When it's I like, see that, I'm like, wow. So there is a different way of doing things. Yep. It's just later in life. And there's no mm. right or wrong answer. And I think the faster and the easier you are happy with yourself and you're content with, I don't need to have a kid right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. I don't understand it. I don't. Okay. It makes it much harder to run a business. Whatever. Yeah. I you know what I mean? The like, business yeah, is automated, and, and I'm not saying you can't or it's bad or do it or don't do it. But what I am saying is I understand where I am and I'm perfectly fine with it. Mm-hmm. And if that is my advantage right now, then I'm going to take every single advantage possible because so that's going to propel you. I think you. the last three generations <laughs> have been like promised the story of like yes. how life is supposed to yes. be lived. Yes. And like yes. we're really truly seeing it's a good like way of a putting it actually. Of, I like that. Yeah. Well, like everything. Like we look back in history, it's a story. Yeah, it's a blueprint, but, right? It's a yeah, blueprint. Like do this, go to school. The bank tells you to do this, put your money in RSP, RSPs. You'll have a house, you'll have a kids, you'll have a family. You'll retire. And then when you retire, you'll have all this money. You can get to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Well, they missed out on inflation every year. They missed out on life. They missed out on life events, pandemics, corporations going bankrupt in 07. When they wrote that script, it worked worked in the 50s and the 60s. But then like the kids screwed it up. Yeah. Because yeah. the kids now are the 50, 60 year olds yeah. and yeah. they don't have any money. Well, and, and you look at it too and you're like, okay, well, they told us to go get an education because they didn't have one. So we went and got one and now we're telling them what we learned and they're telling us we're wrong. Yeah. So it's very funny how it all kind of like comes back full circle. That's why I always say there's no blueprint in life. Mm-hmm. You just need to know your goals and where you want to be. The sooner you know where you want to be the easier you will figure out how to get there. And it's just to work backwards. Yeah. And don't ever let anybody like pull you in and mask it and let you focus on their goal. Cause that will happen too. Like you and, have to and realize exactly. That your goal is your goal. And that, that was kind of ties into where the agent comes to you and says, you know, join my team. Okay. This is what we do. Our goals are this. We want you to be a part of our goal and we're going to do 3 million as a team. And we want you to be 500 K. And then the person's sitting like, Oh my God, oh my God. they're like, you know, they're sitting there like intimidated. Crap. What do I do? I, I have to make 500 K. Like I've never made 50 K. What? It's like, slow it down. Yeah. Slow it down. You might want to make the 3 million. <laughs> he wants to make a hundred thousand. Like just figure that out. And then even in the same boat. Okay. If he wants to do a hundred and you want your team to do a million, all it means is you got to get 10 more guys to do a hundred. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like, don't force the one guy. So I think, yeah, it's huge. Just perspective on knowing where you want to be, who you are, what you want out of the industry, out of life, what you're doing. As long as you can, at the end of the day, say you're happy with what you've done, mm-hmm. then I mean, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> la- last thing I'll leave this with is uh, my coach told me this is he's like, everything in life is just like, think of what you want. Yeah. Make the plan for it. Execute on it. Figure out where you screwed up. Refine yeah. the plan and yeah. then go back to step two and just yeah. keep on doing that process of rinse and refine. No, rinse it's and refine. true. It's just rinse, repeat. And you know, it's funny enough because rinse and repeat is 
basically every investing method. Yep. Rinse and repeat, recycle, repeat, recycle, everything you do. Stocks, try to find another one and repeat it. Try mm-hmm. So that's really all you're doing. Like I, it was funny enough, I was re- refinancing an investment we did yesterday and I was actually calculating all my costs and everything. I'm like, man, I spent a little too much on this. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I broke everything down to me. Like, okay. Next time you'll never do that. Well, now I have a, a point of, okay, this was here. Now, how can I make the best one cheaper? How can I do better? And how mm-hmm. can I save money? And then it's like, okay, if the next one is 20 grand cheaper on a reno, then all right, I learned. Mm-hmm. I did something better on the next one. And well, it's just growing that. <laughs> people, people all the time, they say like, oh, you're super intelligent on what you know. It's like, no, I've just like screwed up more than yeah, you Yeah, I only know it thing. and remember it because I can tell you what not to do yeah. in the situation because I already screwed it up. Yeah. I'll never forget. Case in point, uh, I thought I was getting a listing appointment at the door and the guy was like, yeah, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, well, okay, next week, what's your commission? So I told him and he's like, oh, okay. So he wouldn't call me back. I couldn't do the appointment anymore. I was uh, like, what the hell did I do wrong? Yeah. So sure enough, I went back. I learned, and well, why'd you tell him the commission at the door? Well, I don't know. He asked, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, all right, well, we sh- so he did sell his house. So I was like, oh shit. All right. Well, I screwed that up, but yeah. well, you learned, you, know, like, you, you learned it, right? No, I never, never did it told again. anybody commission. Never again. It's like so. saying your price before being on a call. Like yeah, you always yeah. just, your goal is to get somebody on a call. So I always book the appointment, get in get person. Info, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you, you learn as you go. And I think everybody wants now, 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 now. I even tell people on social media and those things too. They're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it six months, eight months. I'm not getting any deals. I'm not getting any. Maybe your message isn't working, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to self audit your messages too. Okay. If I'm only getting, you know, if I'm only getting leasing, right. Okay. Well, what's the message? What are you telling people on social media? Cause exactly. I see some people, social medias and like, you got a good following, you're doing stuff, but it's like, all you're talking about is you leasing, how competitive the leasing market is, one this, this, this. And it's like, that's all people are looking at. Like you have to know in all marketing, like, case in point, you know, it the most, like, if my social is this, who's my demographic, knowing what are their needs and wants, and how can I talk to that? And well, it's I manifesting mean, through your social. Literally, exactly. you talk about your dream clients' uh, In it. pain points, yep. and then you solve their pain they points. solve them, exactly. And then, and then you time, start speaking to people. Like for me, whenever deals I've gotten listings off of social, it was me talking about something someone's parent told their kid about why they're using a realtor or... It was someone's realtor didn't do these steps prior to selling and I do. Mm. Or we were talking about a story of, you know, I hear this common objection. This is the actual truth. Mm. Or, you know. It, How about and, market updates? How many are you getting off market updates? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like you won't see me post a lot of that kind of stuff. Like market update, just listed, just sold. You, yeah. you sprinkle them in, but it's like my message on my platform. And I would encourage anybody to audit their platform. It's. My message is the people who follow me on, say, Instagram are anywhere from 24-ish to 35, 40, mm-hmm. right? Maybe some 45s. Well, in that age group in the GTA, a first-time buyer's age is 34, I believe now. It went up. It used to be 32 wow. when I started, right? So that means That's that really old me. first-time buyers are in their 30s, Yeah. right? So I'm 24 and I'm, I'm 25 and I'm stressing about buying. House. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and that's kind of the new reality because when you break it down, if you're doing the university thing and if anybody wants to make over a hundred grand nowadays, you need a degree. Well, mm-hmm. four years, you're coming out of university at 22, 23, 30, 40 grand in debt. Well, you're starting at 50, 60 K a year. You want to live in Toronto at $2,000 a month. So you're not really even able to save much money till you're 30 in that. Now you got a partner. So hopefully it helps and contributes in there. Right. So you're making that first jump in your thirties and it's like, okay, so my message is first time buying, how to budget, how to do it. Maybe you've bought something, a pre-con, what to sell, how to sell, what's important to look like, questions to ask when you're selling, 
how to make the upsize, how do you know it's the right time? But that's my message on Instagram. My message mm-hmm. on Facebook is totally different, right? That's uncles, cousins, yeah, people in their 50s, audience. people in their Completely 60s, right? Like my message on social is not as bubbly or edgy. It's more professional, calm, downsizing, retiring, how to buy that investment, how to set up your kids. It's a totally different message. And I think understanding it all and understanding that different messages have to go across different mm-hmm. platforms is well, one of the really parts understand your that, audience, I think, of like who's and who's where and what they want to hear. Yeah, especially in the real estate realm, right? It's you got to know who are you marketing to, right? Like I see some people are like, you're, you know, you're poking fun at the industry, then you're doing tips for the industry, then you're doing <laughs> listings, then you're doing this, then you know, it's like, who are you talking to? A lot of people to? talk to realtors yeah, that's, in their content. Yeah, they're talking to realtors. Like my content, and this is just me personally, I don't have nothing wrong with realtors, love them all, whatever. I don't really, I'm not here to coach you. Like mm-hmm. I, my farming area is in the GTA, mm-hmm. right? Like referrals are great. I'm all for partnering with realtors, want to collab, know everybody. It's awesome. The odds of me trying to build a referral to referral business in Toronto is pretty hard. I'm There's not going to so lie. so many realtors in Toronto. <laughs> well, and how many people are coming from Barry, Aurelia, London, Niagara, Ottawa, Montreal. How many are coming to Toronto? I don't know the stat. I could be way wrong and I could be talking out my ass, whatever. But I don't think the referral referral is that high. Like you're trying to make worldwide referrals for Toronto. (laughs) It's one of the top 10 cities. Exactly. If anything, I need more referral partners in Niagara, in London, in Barrie, in Ottawa. Like I need them more than the other way around where they'll need me. So, Mm. you know, I think understanding that, understanding that, the people who are in bigger homes are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. What are they used to? They're used to old school marketing, print marketing, the right messages, door knocking, cold call. You, you have to do those same things to be in front of like those. So here's one thing that threw me off though. So Ryan Serhan actually said this to us because yeah. I asked him, who's your target audience? And yeah. he's like, it's going to blow you away. It's, so we, our target, our target audience, we attract realtors. Yeah. Realtors will see us, yeah. but we pay to get in front of that 13 to 17 year old girl crowd because right. they're the only ones who can get their parents to stop and watch a video for 30 seconds. If they were to send a text over and say, yeah, Dad, this is my dream look house. Like, yeah. Look, it's the dream house we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. So it's just, knowing your strategy. So it's exactly right. Yeah. Like those older people aren't on social, No, but maybe their kid could get them. Yeah. To check yeah. Something yeah. Out, and, and that's but hit yeah. them with the regular stuff. And then if maybe they're seeing them on there too, that omnipresence of, wow, yeah. this guy's everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what it is, right? That TikTok age group. And I actually, it's one of the younger realtors on my team. I kind of told her, I said, look, go after TikTok right now, but First no, buyers and things you're like that, getting though. them in five years, mm-hmm. right? I mean, TikTok's an interesting, controversial platform. Now where they're talking about banning it in North America and this and that. So I'll be curious to see what happens with it. But it's no different from Instagram and the it's, same thing. It's and making who's me a little nervous you? where I see it competing more with YouTube now where my girlfriend, yeah. I was asking her how to do something. And she pulled up TikTok and started searching how to do this. To, on, yeah. And I was like, why aren't you looking that up on YouTube? YouTube why are yeah, you expecting? Right? No videos came up on YouTube, but there was like 70 yeah, videos, on t- yeah. short form videos yeah, yeah. And on TikTok. I think YouTube's a great platform. I think yeah. personally it can be executed really well. I'm not saying don't go after it. I just think personally for myself, the YouTube platform, and this is, you might have a better idea, but even from just observing the Josh Altman, Ryan Serhans, the Fredericks, the million dollar guys, they were selling a billion dollars of real estate before YouTube and social media. Mm-hmm. They have these followings because they're selling $50 million homes on the regular. Mm-hmm. Like build yourself to that level first before you start walking around talking about, $10 million this and that and showcasing this home and that home. I'm I all for it. You. 
I'm all for it. Like do the showings. It's cool. But like, understand, we know now the user knows these aren't your listings. So just to change your perspective on that. So this is the way that I would look at it as mm-hmm. a realtor. So if I was going after YouTube, like Ryan Serhant and all these guys, they had the show first. So oh yeah. The way that I look at YouTube is it's the new TV channel. Yeah. So every yeah, agreed, platform agreed. is Fox News, CNN, yeah. the new, yeah. new everybody <laughs> consumes content on different places. Yeah. The TV channel. But YouTube, like you have to be the most educated person on what you're talking about. So yeah. as you, as you see, they made billions of dollars, but you might know a ton about hockey and yeah. firefighting. Yeah. Why not create a ton of content all about that? Yeah. Because what does everybody sleep in a bed? Where yeah. is that bed located in a house? So at yeah. the end of the day, you're going to build fans in different areas. So yep. become uh, a, a specialist at something. So yeah. maybe it's gym, maybe it's fitness training, maybe it's health. Everybody eats. Everybody works yeah. out. No, it's like, true. And, what it is, and that's the thing, right? Know your industry and know exactly your know audience, right? Like for me personally, yeah, maybe if I'm really big one day and I'm doing that kind of business, the general knowledge will come natural to me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm seeing, like a lot of Ryan Serhan's, Josh Allman's videos. Honestly, they're just doing really nice property tours, exactly. right? So it's like, but you know, for them on their channels those other agents are also like, well, yeah, sure. Come do a video with me because you have, but the reason it works, yeah. I've met, I've met one of the, the two of them, Ryan Serhan. He's an actor. Exactly. He went to yeah. school to be an actor. Yeah. And you could tell he went to New York yeah. to be on Broadway. Well, You could tell the way he is on shows and blogs. The guy is not like that in person. Yeah. He, nobody, the way he's out there is and not like talking. He's and- not selling a $150 million house because he can dance around on social media. Exactly. Like let's get real. Right. There's a lot of behind the scenes that nobody sees. Mm-hmm. And it's that vast knowledge of how did you get the listing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't just get to list a $250 million penthouse, right? You're doing something mm-hmm. to do it. So these guys built their businesses on putting on a show. Exactly. So like Ryan said, yeah. like how he got the the TV show was he showed up to yeah. a hotel with yeah. 4,000 other agents there. Yeah. But everybody was there showing them, I'm a realtor, I yeah. go to the office, I do <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So he pulled up, ran a Range Rover, created this crazy story, yeah. and like just showed up like a crazy girlfriend and yeah. told them exactly what they wanted to hear and dip. Yeah. He got the call back and he was kind of nervous because he told them he had a Range Rover and all this. <laughs> yeah, all the fancy so he stuff. borrowed his buddy's Range Rover, yeah. called up one of his buddies from acting school and was said, like, hey, would you at some point in your life buy a $2 million condo? He said, probably not. He said, but... Would you, if you could? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I guess so. So he took his buddy to for a showing to a $2 million penthouse <laughs> in New York City, told everybody at the office to blow up his phone while he was there. Yeah. So he looked super, super busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had this film crew yeah. follow him and his actual Smart, friend yeah. around all day long. And he brought his own accountability because they gave him the show. He's like, oh crap, now I need all these big, big And it condos. was just the pilot. And he walked, and what he did is he toured the listing and he didn't know what to do. So he literally went to the washroom and said, sorry guys, I got to go. And yeah. walked out on them and left them in this $2 million listing. Yeah. And they were like, what the hell? What like, just happened? Yeah. Like that's not a realtor. Yeah. Exactly. And that's how we got the show. So yeah, like something different. You have to realize, like, if you want to put on a show, you have to be willing to put on the show. Yeah, you have to be out there and you have to be willing to take feedback. Like, not even feedback, criticism. Like yeah. pe- most people are not gonna like your stuff. Like everybody's everyone's judge a key- you. I always call it, everyone's a keyboard activist out there, yep. right? Everyone wants to comment on how crappy this is or Until that. Until you're or at the top and your- then they want to be your friend. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so I mean, you're right. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you're doing something, mm-hmm. I think that's the overall message. If, getting your face on social yeah. every day or being in front of your clients every single day. Yeah. The more people who know what you do in this industry, that's really the name of the game. The more people who know what you do, the higher odds you, ha- you have of converting. 
Awesome. That's really all it is. Thanks for coming on the show today. If people wanted to find you yeah, on social, where could they find you? Oh yeah, just Nick Crozier. My name N I C K C R O Z I E R underscore Realtor. Yeah, right awesome. on Instagram. Thanks for coming on. Today. Awesome, appreciate it. We're just gonna wrap it up there. We're gonna, there's gonna be an outro on the end, so we'll just yeah. Awesome, awesome, dude. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's cool. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. As always, guys, I'm your host, Cameron Gray. Leave a review on the show. There's going to be a link below if you guys would love to leave a review. They are greatly appreciated. Let us know who you guys want to see us interview next time on the Gray Media Podcast. It's been Cam, owner and founder of Gray Media, Simple AI, Content Labs, and Editor Pro. If you're looking to step up your real estate business in the next year, definitely sign up for Agent Pro. It's a learning platform on the Apple Store as well as the Google Play Store. This is a real estate training platform with anything from real estate sales all the way to content creation and brand awareness. If you're looking to step up your real estate business, definitely check out Agent Pro. It's only $100 right now on the App Store. Join today and change your real estate business forever. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. As always, my name is Cameron, owner and founder of Gray Media. I will see you in the next podcast, but until then, peace out.